special people with special gifts, willpower and anointing to take something from nothing and raise it to what we have today. He's been involved with youth ministry off and on for much of his life. I know he has a heart for young people. Now serves as the pastor of that church and the district secretary in the Arkansas district. And let me just tell you, we are blessed of God to have this couple here tonight. They are just tremendous people. And as he comes, I want you to put your hands together and make him feel welcome as he preaches the word of the Lord to us. Let's magnify the Lord. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Come on, somebody, while you're clapping those hands, put your head back. Say, I love you, Jesus. I magnify you tonight, oh God. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't you take just about 25 seconds and find about six or seven people that you have not said hi to yet means you can't turn to the people next to you. And I want you to shake their hand and welcome them to this great service tonight. Somebody that you have not greeted yet, tell them you are happy that they came to church in Halifax tonight. glad to be in God's house tonight. I'm glad to be in a Holy Ghost filled environment tonight. I'm glad to be saved tonight. And I just want to, I want to lend my voice and say how much I appreciate the great worship that has preceded this moment in this service. We have in the United States company called the Publishers Clearing House. And every January they choose from all of the people that have subscribed to their magazine. And they decide that one of them will receive a check for $10 million. How many of you could stand for just a little bit of that money in your checking account tonight? <laughs> Some of you are saying, I'd go for a tithe of that right now. And the Publishers Clearing House people will show up on the doorstep of some unsuspecting resident. And they will have a big oversized check printed up. And a television camera and a big old microphone. And they'll knock on that front door. That lady answers the door. She just got done washing her hair, so she's got it up in a towel. And she doesn't realize that when she opens up the door, she's going to be on national TV. And a man will stand there in a nice suit with a big oversized check and say something like, Congratulations, Mr. Smith. You are the winner of the Publishers Clearinghouse $10 million keepsake. It is so crazy. I've watched video clips of 
happens after that announcement. Adults, grown adults, start acting like kids. I've seen the lady that answers the door jumping into the arms of the guy with the microphone. Hugging a man she's never met before. Why? Because she answered the door poor. But when she closed the door, she was rich. How many of you have ever answered the door when Jesus comes knocking and you were without, you had deficiencies, you had problems, but after you met Jesus, he made all things new. Come on, somebody. There is somebody greater than Publishers Clearinghouse in this house tonight. Come on, I think we ought to praise him again with a lifted voice and lifted hands and a lifted heart. I love you, Jesus. I bless your name, oh God. You are worthy, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, amen, amen. I love the Lord tonight, and I'm glad to be with you worshiping the Lord. It's great to be in Nova Scotia tonight. Now, you might think that a couple from Arkansas, maybe a couple thousand miles away, have real no connection to Nova Scotia besides our youth president and the McKinsey's that I know, but we actually have a whole lot more connection than that. My wife is by birth a Canadian. I won't say anything like I brought her out of Canada and she's now a U.S. citizen. I won't tell you that. But her family, her mother and her mother's family are from a beautiful town a few kilometers from here called Antigonish. So we have connections all the way here in Nova Scotia. And we are so blessed to be with all of you. I'm so thankful for our district youth president. Don't you love Dan McLeod, Sister Haley McLeod? I appreciate our leaders. I want to give honor to all of our pastors that are here and all of you great young people. Whether you're 12 years old and you got the world by the tail or you're a graduating senior from high school or maybe you're a college student, whatever station in life you find yourself, I'm honored to be here with you tonight. And I do want to give honor, Brother Min, to you and to the great heritage in this Nova Scotia district. Honored to be with you, sir. Honored to be with you. to make a deal with you, and I know you've been standing for a while, I'll have you be seated in just a moment, but I'd like to make a deal with you. I would like to have the honor and the privilege of praying with every single person in this room before we leave tonight. Say, how are you going to do that, Brother Gaddy? Well, I'll tell you how. I would like the privilege and the honor at the close of this service or whenever the Lord says for you to join me up here at the I believe that there is going to be a powerful visitation of the Holy Ghost sweep across this room. And I am so convinced that everything we need is already.
everything every teenager needs is already here tonight. So how many of you, I don't want you to get scared. I want no one to think, oh, man, if I walk up there, he's going to do something weird to me. Those Americans, they, no, no, no. I'd like the privilege to pray with you. How many would make me a deal and say, when that time comes, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let Brother Gaddy pray with me. Would you lift up your hands? Now, whether I can physically get to every one of you, it may be a blanket prayer, but keep your hand up real quick. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Amen. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you have it, to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So happy that my wife is here. We've had a great couple of days getting up here to Nova Scotia. Spent the day here in Halifax today, and I'm so happy. We've been married for over 23 years. You know, I am officially middle-aged now. I know it doesn't look like it. If you were to guess how old I am, I'm probably older than you think I am. Uh, I am 46. I'll be 47 in June. I have a daughter who is 19. She's in her first year of college. I know I don't look old enough to be in college, but I do have a daughter that's in college. And then I have a son who is a junior. He's in 11th grade. He's in high school. I want you to know before we read the word of the Lord tonight that I have never been more encouraged about your generation than I am right now. I know there are some that might say, well, young people, they got a lot of stuff to figure out. But you know what? Here's what I believe. I believe that God has orchestrated this thing called the last day revival and he is placing it in your hands. I have never been more convinced in all of my life that there are teenagers and college students who are ready to assume the role of being the leaders in God's church. I want you to know I believe in you. I believe in what God is doing in your life and through your life. And we need you in the church. We need you to step up and take your place in God's kingdom. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 10, thank you so much for your kind welcome. It's wonderful to be here. Paul said, ye are witnesses, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 10. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. That ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Verse 13, for this cause, because of what I've just said, Paul says, also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word of God, would you say that with me? When ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I want to point out two things before I read one more verse. Paul said to the Thessalonians, I commend you because you heard a the word of God. 
Young people, can I tell you something? We're blessed to have a pastor. We're blessed to have men and women of God who speak God's word. And we are blessed when we rise up in our spirit and say, that isn't the word of a man. That's the word of God for me right now. Paul said, when you have that kind of idea, that kind of spirit, it effectually works in you. It starts working in you that you read Revelation 3 and 20. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it in your hearing. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I want to preach on the hope for an overserve church. The hope for an overserve church. Would you say that with me? The hope for an overserve church. I wish you would turn and shake hands with a couple of folks and say, The hope for Nova Scotia. Pray with me one more time. Jesus, let your word touch our hearts right now. Drive every distraction out of this room. Let there be a singular voice that would speak. And let that be the voice of the Holy Ghost. Let there be a mighty demonstration. Lord, we ask what Moses asked. Show us your glory tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone, would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and for following along concur with what Brother McLeod say and say to our musicians, thank you for leading us into the presence of God. It's been excellent tonight. If I close my eyes and train my ear, I can hear the echo of voices from when I was a teenager years ago. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly. Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. It almost is more than I can comprehend on this Friday night that at times the God of the universe would call to me. The God who spoke the worlds into existence with his very voice would stop and call to me. The God who formed man out of the dust of the earth and in his wonderful providence crafted and created this wonderful redemption plan of which you and I take part in tonight. That God would call to me. He would call to me in my undone state. He would call to me in my gross imperfection at times. He would lift up his voice and call to me and say, 
Tim, I need you. I need your energy. I need your voice. I need you to follow me. Is there anybody in this house tonight that when you think about that, it's just a little bit overwhelming to think that on a Friday night in March of 2017, there would be the God of glory that would show up in Halifax, Nova Scotia and say, among all that's happening in the world, I've got a teenager that I want to speak to tonight. I've got a university student that I've got something to say to tonight. God is calling. That's overwhelming to me. That's absolutely at times overwhelming to me. Almost one million souls which stand in need of a Savior just in this province. Halifax has a cry coming forth. Is there something worth living for? Dartmouth echoes that call in Truro and Sydney and New Glasgow. Annie Ganesh is lifting up its voice tonight saying, is there a preacher? Is there a church planter? Bedford and Bridgewater and Glace Bay up on Cape Breton Island. It's saying tonight, is there anybody who is listening for the call of Jesus Christ? Can I tell you something tonight? The hope for Nova Scotia is in this room right now. The hope for end time revival. The hope for supernatural power. The hope for signs and wonders and miracles is in this house tonight. But it will be predicated upon whether we hear and whether we answer God's call. Now when I consider the call of God this unimaginable call from an eternal God to a finite man like myself. That call really is bound up in three different areas in my life. It was first the call that God put upon my life for salvation. This happened at a very young teenage age. I was 13 years old and some may say, wow, it took you a long time, Brother Gaddy. I was eight when I received the Holy Ghost. I was seven when I was baptized. Well, I was a tough cookie to crack. It took me till I was 13, but I still remember when I responded the first time and prayed a prayer of repentance and asked the Lord to forgive me. I still remember that Sunday night, June the 26th, 1983, when I went down in the waters of baptism and my pastor called the saving name of Jesus Christ over me. I still remember that Sunday evening, July the 17th, 1983, when I made my way to an altar and I lifted up my hands and I had people around me that had prayed for people to receive the Holy Ghost. So they knew what signs to look for. And when they saw me beginning to give God praise and they saw my chin starting to quiver a little bit, they said assuring words to me, Tim, you're doing good. Just keep praying. And I remember when I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was God's call to me to be saved. 
So let me just concur with what Brother McLeod said. If you are here tonight and you hear a little call from heaven, you feel a little nudging in your spirit. Something's been turned over inside of you tonight and you say, I wish I could worship like they worship. I wish I could have happiness like they seem to have happiness. There is a call to salvation tonight. So he calls us to salvation and then just a few short years later he called again in my life and it was to ministry. It happened on a singular night, June the 16th, 1988. Brother Mark Foster was preaching a youth camp that I was attending, and he got done preaching and gave the altar call. And I have talked to Brother Foster about this, and I consider him to be my father in the gospel when it comes to the call to ministry. And I, he asked me one day, he said, Brother Gaddy, do you remember what I preached that night? And I got a sheepish look on my face. I said, Brother Foster, I'm so sorry. I don't remember what you preached, but I do remember when you said, does anybody feel like they want to pray tonight? And I went down to a metal folding chair right about over here in that vast auditorium, and I began to kneel down and pray. And I was broken in the presence of God. I had hot tears falling down on that metal folding chair. And when the service was getting ready to be dismissed, I heard, I didn't look up to see it, but I heard the man stand at the the pulpit and, and make some closing remarks and then I heard all the other students begin to move out of the auditorium but something was holding me there something was constraining me I couldn't move from that folding chair and what happened next in that auditorium is something that if I close my eyes tonight it's as if it happened last night in my mind, it wasn't an out-of-body experience, but in my mind, I saw myself standing behind a pulpit. And my hand was coming up over the pulpit like this. And I was giving it one of those preacher's moves. And if you thought I was crying before that happened, just wait for God to drop that salvation and calling bomb on me. He let it settle on me, and I started weeping even more at that folding chair. And I had people coming up to me and rubbing me on the back and saying, Oh, God, lift this burden off of Tim right now. Oh, God. And I'm inside, I'm going, No! Because God's calling me to the ministry. And I have to be honest with you, it scared me to death. I got done praying. I didn't feel like going to the concession stand. I went back to my dorm, and I sat down on my bunk, and one of the counselors from the camp came over and just put his arm around me and cried with me. I didn't even know what to say. Some of the greatest times is when you can come up next to somebody and not feel like you got to articulate everything, but just be there with them. It was the call to ministry. And then the third aspect of the call in my life, and it's still beats in my heart and my spirit tonight, and that is the call to serve. The call to serve is a lifelong pursuit. It's something that hopefully we never graduate from. Jesus said, if you want to be greatest in the kingdom of God, let him serve those that are around him. The, the, the one that will become first is the one that is least in the kingdom. They don't consider themselves to have arrived, and that is a call that will be a lifelong pursuit. What is this hope 
for Nova Scotia? Does it really involve a call? And I say, I lift up my voice tonight and I say, most assuredly, the hope for Nova Scotia is in this room tonight because the call of God is in this room tonight. I still believe that one service can change somebody's life forever. Oh, I wish I had a few people help me preach right now. I still believe that one youth rally on a Friday night can burn something in a young adult that they never get away from the rest of their days. I still believe that one time in the presence of God can put something in a 14-year-old young man that he looks back on years later and remembers the call that God put upon his life. It is very possible here tonight that God could call somebody to eventually pastor in Nova Scotia, plant a church in Nova Scotia, lead this district here in Nova Scotia. That call is in this that call. So we must understand this call. We can't just slough it off. We can't just push it away and say, well, I'm glad I went to Halifax. I'm glad I went to youth service. We have to understand, first of all, that the call of God is first to him rather than to a destination. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Young people, students, young adults, college students here tonight, when God calls us, the call is first to Him. Before there is ever a call to a destination. Oh God, if you'd come down tonight and show me what my life is going to be like, I'd respond to that call. Oh God, if you'd tell me who I'm going to marry, I'd be real happy tonight. Oh God, if you would show me where I'm going to live when I'm in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. Can I tell you from the word of God, the way that Jesus does this is he calls us to him first. And if we get good at knowing him, if we fall in love with him, if we learn to have relationship with him, he will work out the destination Come on, young people. God is calling us to him. Come on, he's calling students to a prayer life. He's calling students to a fasting life. He's calling young people to a worship life. He's calling us to him. We can get so destination-oriented. Oh, God, please show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. When God is saying, draw close to me, get to know me, the call of Jesus is to someone, not somewhere. That someone will take care of the somewhere. He will take care of the someday. His call, say it with me, his call. 
is to him. Before he gave them power to heal. Before he gave them power to cast out devils. Before he sent them out into the mighty harvest field that literally they would turn the world upside down. Before all of that happened, he called them to him saying, come up by me. Come spend some time with me. Get to know who I am. Get to know my voice. And someone will take care of someone. The call also means less of me. So there can be more of him. My wife and I over the last number of years have had the tremendous privilege of traveling to a whole lot of places. And I, I'm so humbled by that and so blessed. This, this is a dream to be in Nova Scotia tonight, to be with you. I don't say that to try to win points. It really is. I'm humbled by this opportunity. But there is a pervasive enemy that I have noticed in the church. No matter where it is, whether it's in Nova Scotia or if it's in Arkansas or if it's in the Philippines or if it's in Africa or anywhere around North America, there is a pervasive tendency if we are not careful. And it is the enemy called selfishness. Because to be mightily used in the kingdom of God requires so much less of me so that I can make room for more of him. That's what the call means. In Mark chapter number 8, in verse 34, the Bible says, Jesus said to those who were following him, said to those who were trying to follow him, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, has all that money could buy, selfishly acquires, and yet loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I've come to be very honest with us tonight. Most of the time, my biggest problem is not the devil. Now, I'm not saying that I don't believe in spiritual warfare. My wife and several in our church a few weeks ago had a workshop on spiritual warfare, and it was powerful. There are principalities. There are things that are trying to hinder apostolic growth. But can I tell you something? The devil doesn't need to fight quite as hard if I am selfish with my life doesn't have to put a full court press on if I say, hey, this is about me. It's about my ease. It's about my comfort. No, Jesus said, if I'm going to follow after him, I've got to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow after him. I'm praying God will sweep across Nova Scotia with a revival of saying, Lord, less of me and more of you. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Everybody say less of me. I want you to do it nice. I don't want you to be mean. 
But I want you to turn to someone and say, what Nova Scotia needs, tell them that right now. What Nova Scotia needs is less of you. But don't leave them hanging now. Turn to them and say, but more of Jesus. feel so strong in my spirit tonight. I don't think Nova Scotia has seen yet what can happen when people live selflessly in the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't think Nova Scotia has seen yet what can happen when people empty themselves out and say, Lord, I'll give what you tell me to give. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. It's not about me. I'm denying myself and following you. Jesus is talking about his upcoming death. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 32, they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Jesus went before them and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. So they went from amazement to fear. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Watch this now, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and they shall deliver him to the Gentiles. Can you imagine? This is not setting a very good tone with the disciples. They're wanting glory. They're wanting a kingdom set up. They're wanting a king to rule and to reign and pick them up out of this Roman oppression. And Jesus says, and they shall mock him, that's me, and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Now you would think the ones following Jesus would be in tune with him at this moment. Lord, are you saying that we need to live less like us and more like you? That should have been their response. But here's how they responded. Verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us Whatsoever we shall desire. How many of you know in, in life there's three times types of people? There's people that know things. There's people that don't know things. And then the third type of people is people that don't know that they don't know things. That's where the disciples were right there. Jesus said unto them, what would you that I should do for you? They said unto him, grant us. Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and another on the left. Hey, Jesus, I know you were just talking about going to Jerusalem and being spit upon and stripes upon your back and being crucified and all that stuff. But we've just got one request. When all of this comes to pass and you're the king, can we have VIP seat? Jesus, in the soberness of that moment, looks at them. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Because unless you can be baptized into the baptism that I'm going to go through, unless you can walk through the martyrdom that I'm going to go through, you can't follow me. Listen, I knew we wouldn't jump over pews and run aisles when I preached this part. But Nova Scotia... It's waiting on young people that say, oh, Jesus, I don't
don't want it to be about me anymore. I want it to be about you. I don't want to be ruled by my flesh anymore. I want your spirit to rule and guide me. I want so much less of me so so much more of you can be birthed. That's the hope of Noah's people. Let me quickly come to a close. This call, this call beyond the ordinary, beyond the Friday night in Halifax, also has a very poignant truth that I want to make sure we understand tonight. I want you to listen very closely because I don't want you to miss it. The call of God often is vague enough to require faith. I married a New Brunswick woman. I'm glad I married a New Brunswick you know how many times I'd been to New Brunswick before I married my wife? Once. I went to New Brunswick when I was just a child. I went down to St. John and saw all the tides going in and out. Ate some lobster. Took some pictures. Never knowing that the province in which I stood would bring me my life. on that same trip that we came here to Nova Scotia. I was about nine years old. Can you imagine that standing here in Nova Scotia as a nine-year-old, the Lord had come down over breakfast one morning and spoke. And by the way, by the way, let me just stop and say this. You're looking at a man that's going to tell you the truth. Most of the time when God speaks to men, it is far less dramatic than you might think. You ever heard your pastor say, God spoke to me today? Now, my pastor used to say that, and I thought, whoo, man, he has got a direct line to heaven. I just imagined in his office with that blank wall over there, God just wrote stuff on the wall. Preach this. Talk to this person. Older I get, the more I realize, and maybe it's just me. I get really jealous of people. I know you shouldn't get jealous. I get really jealous of people that have dramatic words from God. You know, like blue angels come down out of the ceiling, and they're blowing yellow smoke out of their nostrils, and they're saying, hear ye the word of the, they're speaking in King James English. <laughs> God doesn't do that for me. It's far less dramatic most of the time than that. Can you imagine as a nine-year-old standing in this province if the Lord had come down? Tim. Tim. Hey. hey, Lord, is that you? Yes. Thirty-something years from now, you're going to be standing on a platform in Halifax preaching my word. You know what I would have done? I would have fallen into a little puddle of tears on the ground in Nova Scotia. Why? Because I wasn't ready for that. I didn't want to be a preacher. Let me tell you right now, I did not. 
I was going to be a banker. I was going to be a millionaire. I was going to have a window, an office and a bank with windows all the way around. I was going to sit up in the chair at the desk and put my feet up on the desk and say, so you want to open up an account. That's what I had planned in my life. I went to a school for business administration. Well, I got accepted to a school. And then God had the gall three or four weeks before I was starting class to call me into the ministry. And the longer I live for God, most of the time, he does not speak to me and say, let me tell you three years in advance where you're going to end up, Tim. Let me tell you ten years in advance what your life's going to be. Most of the time, he does not do that. He leaves it vague enough to require faith. Because, honey, if I have it all spelled out and I know what's going to happen 15 years from now, why would I need faith? But, oh, for a student in Nova Scotia that would say, I don't have it figured out yet. I don't know what school I'm going to yet. I sure enough don't know who I'm marrying yet. I don't know if I'm going to have one kid, six kids, or no kids. But here's what I know. I'm going to walk by faith tonight. And then tomorrow, I'm going to walk by faith. I'm just going to keep my life in the hand of Jesus. And let him work out the details. So do we have the Bible? Can you put the Bible on the screen? Would you put Genesis 12 and 1 on the screen? I'm just about done. Plane's coming in for a landing. Landing gear just engaged. I can see the runway from where I'm at. Now the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. That means you can't stay where you're at. And from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, you're going to leave your family, and you're going to leave your house. Watch this now, this blows my mind. Unto a land that I will show you. quick in Nova Scotia. Did you catch that right there? God said, here's what I need you to do, Abram. I need you to get up from where you're at. I know you're sitting on the fourth row in a youth lounge, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to get up from where you're at and walk up to that altar. And I need you to leave behind all your preconceived ideas about how your life's going to turn out. And I need you to leave your father's house and leave your kindred and leave your family and leave everything comfortable. And by the way, Abram, I will show you a land. And Abram's on his tiptoes saying, where is it? Tell me, where is it? And God says, just start walking. It's a land that I will show you. I'm not going to show you tonight. I'm just wondering, is there any? That has enough faith and trust in me to start walking with me. To start taking a step in the direction of the kingdom of God. And I believe the Lord responds when we say, Lord, I'm open to that call. I know it's a little foggy right now, but I'm open to that call. I will step in that direction. Abram did not know at that moment. The magnitude of his life and what it would bring to pass. 
can you do this for me without moving in and out? I'm going to ask everybody in the house, unless you have an emergency, not to move in and out right now. But would you stand with me, please? And keep your attention right up here, please. A number of years ago, I was in Israel, and I stood at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and I watched as Orthodox Jews made their way to that Wailing Wall. They had the little yarmulke on their head. They had little prayers that they had written on scraps of paper, and they would walk up to that wall and poke those prayers into that wall, and they would rock back and forth. They had such reverence for that place of prayer that when they got done at that wailing wall, they would never turn their back on the wall. They literally would back out of the area of prayer. Why? Because to turn your back on something is to disrespect it. And they knew that's a holy place of prayer with Jehovah. And I saw Orthodox Jews by the hundreds. I traveled across Israel saw Jewish people here and there, and every one of them, if you ask them, who is your father, they will say, our father is Abraham. So are you celestial Do you think for a second, do you think for a second, standing in that solemn moment when God said, Abram, get out of your land and from your father's house? to a land that I will show you that Abraham thought I'll be the father of millions and a kid's song will be wrote about it. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. We respond in faith and God takes care of the destination. I wish everyone would bow your heads and lift up your voice with me right now. I want there to be a spirit of prayer just cover this house right now. I need some of you who know how to intercede in prayer. I want you to lift up your voice right now. Come on, I, mean, I need some young people. You got eternity birth in your spirit tonight. I need some young people that know how to pray. Lift up your voice. I need some 13-year-old young men to just mount up in your spirit and say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I will be involved in what you want me to be involved in, Lord. I'll let your call rest upon my life. Oh, God. Speak in this house tonight. Call in this house tonight, Lord. 
Break loose your glory in Nova Scotia tonight because the call is on this house. I pray it in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ. I pray it in agreement with the word of the Lord that is forever settled in heaven. I pray it in Jesus' name tonight. I pray it in Jesus' name. Listen to me, young people. I thank you for those of you that made an agreement with me that you were going to allow me to pray over you. And I would like for every person in this house to come quickly to the front of this sanctuary without hesitation. I wish you would step out. Whether you are 16 or you are a senior citizen tonight, I want you to come and press in close. Come on, ladies, press in close. Come on, every person in the house. I believe the power of the Lord is going to sweep over this house. I realize I am in a part of this country where many missionaries have been birthed right out of Atlantic Canada. I still believe God's in the business of calling missionaries from Atlantic Canada here tonight. I still believe that there is a call to ministry that's going to rest. If God can do it from a boy in a boy's life from suburban Chicago, he can do it here tonight. He can minister and call and bless and ordain the steps of individuals in this room tonight. Here is what I'm asking. Everybody look right here. Here is what I'm asking. Posture is very important to God. If I come to him with my hands closed and my body closed, I'm telling him I'm fearful or I don't want what you want to give me, Lord. But if there can be someone under the sound of my voice tonight that in just a moment lifts up your hands and lifts up your head and says, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll walk where you want me to walk, and I'll do what you want me to do. There can comes a settling on your spirit tonight. And I feel that strong in the Holy Ghost. How many young people are here right now? And that's your call. That's your desire. Would you lift up your hands to the Lord? Put that head back and begin to cry out and say, Lord, I'm available to you. Come on, there's some young ladies going to make a commitment right now that God is going to honor that prayer. God's going to come alongside that prayer right now. Oh, holy God, do your work in this house right now. Come on, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, I wish you would just give voice to praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, yeah. Come on, that's it. You don't have to be afraid of the call. Just open up to the call. You don't have to be fearful of the call. Just say, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. Come on, that's it. Less of me, Lord. More of you. <laughs> Less of my will. More of your will, Lord. Less of my kingdom. More of your kingdom, Lord. Oh, Lord, place that call upon my life. Place that trust upon my life, Lord. Oh, help me to trust your voice. Help me to trust your hand, Lord. Help me to trust your direction, God. You do all things well and for your glory. Come on, if you're here with your youth group and you feel a ministering spirit, 
I wish you'd reach over and lay your hand upon somebody. Say, Lord, they're open, and I'm blessing them in prayer right now. They're open to your call, Lord. They're open to your blessing. They're open to your direction, Lord. That's it, pastors, youth ministers right now, Sunday school teachers, parents. Would you help us pray? Would you lay your hand on the next generation? Would you let them feel that hand of anointing on their back? Lay it on their head. Say, God bless them with a call from heaven tonight, Lord. Come on, Nova Scotia needs what's happening in this room right now. Come on, this part of Canada needs what's happening in this room right now. Come on, Dartmouth is calling. Halifax is calling. Cape Breton Island is calling. Sydney is calling. Somebody hear the cry. Ha. Ha. Yes, that's it. Come on, sis, go ahead and cry those tears. Go ahead and let that voice out to the Lord. Let God burn something in your spirit tonight. Come on, Abram, get up from your land. Get up from your country. Get up from your daddy's house. Go to a land that I will show you. Come on, young man, it's in brokenness that God responds. It's a broken and a contrite spirit that the Lord will not push away. He will not push you away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's let the ministering spirit of the Lord touch right now. Help us pray. Come on, preachers, help us pray right now. Help us pray for this next generation, this hope for Nova Scotia tonight.